Tonight, Mr. T and Emmanuel Lewis star. He's a big guy with a tough little problem. A kid that doesn't care too much about Christmas. Mr. T needs some heavyweight magic to fill this tiny Scrooge with the Christmas spirit. Because I don't want to lose this one. He's got singing star Maureen McGovern to help. Along with skating superstars Ty Babylonia and Randy Gardner. And famous illusionist David Copperfield. Wow. With some real holiday magic. Plus the Radio City Music Hall Rockette and many more. No Scrooge could resist all the Christmas spirit. Special for the kid and all of us. Mr. T and Emmanuel Lewis in a Christmas dream. scrolling so i'm assuming that we're live are we live is that what that means when the numbers are rolling when the digital numbers are <laughs> you can only read analog okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah all right so hey welcome back to pump action podcast we are your host tie fighter and t-bone yeah and today we are going to be talking about a christmas classic so, um, I hope all you guys out there had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, the, the turkey has been carved, the stuffing has been stuffed, uh, the cornucopia has been put away, and uh, here at the dojo we have uh, started hanging up the Christmas decorations. Uh, the uh, T-Bone has shouldered the Yule log into for for a good low trash can fire like John Matrix and Commando. Uh, yeah, the, the the holly has been hung. The I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm kind of going off uh, base here. <laughs> well, anyway, um, and I, I'm assuming that you guys probably thought we were going to talk about the number one action Christmas movie of all time. Invasion USA, <laughs> but no, um, Die Hard, you know, we, we, there's a, so much to talk about Die Hard, um, but no, um, I, I see that T-Bone has put the nipples on his Santa suit, so there's only one movie that we could be talking about, and that is Batman Returns, 1992. Um, this was a, I've not seen this movie in years, like I don't, I mean, I actually have the four pack of like the Blu-rays. It has Batman '89. It's got Batman Returns, Batman and Robin, and then what's it, Batman Forever, or whatever the four pack. Mm-hmm. And I really only got that for because I'm a big Arnold fan, and so I wanted to see um, the Mister the terrible Mister Freeze <laughs> one-liners. Um, so I watched that probably within the last five years or so. But Batman Returns, I haven't seen, um, gosh, probably since its original, like, VHS or maybe even DVD release. And let me tell you, it was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, I completely forgot how great this movie is. This was like um, a definite nostalgia, like, 
wash. Like I couldn't believe like all the memories that came flooding back um, to me. Uh, I remember this film. You know, let me. Well, shall shall I set the set the Set, set up the chessboard for us here. <laughs> the year is 1992. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a young saxophone playing. No, I'm just um, no but uh, I remember this movie simply because um, I was once a 90-pound weakling. And I summoned the courage to ask this young filly who was an eighth grader at the time. I was a ninth grader at the time. To go see Batman Returns, thus making this my very first date. <laughs> and yep, so that's how I remember this film. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to let you go ahead and kind of take over because I've completely hijacked the mic. So so go ahead, uh, uh, T-Bone, and, and, and regale us with what you've discovered about Batman Returns. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw this in the theater as well. And then... You know, a short while later, when it came out on VHS, later that year or the year after, and I probably saw it one or two more times, and then, yeah, I hadn't seen it since the 90s again until last year, and it's, I I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk about this later, there was some controversy about it, and it uh, was probably ahead of its time a little. So Definitely. It, it's If you haven't seen it since the 90s, it holds up and it's probably better in the context of superhero movies now. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, right before we started recording, I was telling um, Tebow, hands down, this is probably the best Batman movie that there is. And I'm not taking anything away from the Christopher Nolan movies. Um, I thought... You know, The Dark Knight was great. I thought Batman Begins was great. The other one, I don't even remember what its name, but it was okay. But this, to me, is like the Batman pinnacle of like who that character is. Like, right. I was shocked. Uh, I was absolutely shocked on this rewatch how much I like this. I have like seven pages of notes on this movie. I would have had more, and I, like I told uh, T-Bone earlier... I became so engrossed in watching it. I literally just forgot to take notes because I just became so like, Oh my God, like I forgot. Oh yeah. And like, there's just scenes that were coming back to me that I could start just like quoting verbatim. But cause I haven't seen him though. You know what I mean? Cause it was such a part of growing up for us, this Batman, even 89 Batman. Right. I mean, I was trying to think of on the drive over here. I can't think, you know, I'm talking about 89 Batman or even this one, a, franchise that was like more like celebrated or like the more people were like excited i mean other than like maybe star wars um well lord of the rings maybe like i don't know but like when this one hit like america was free basing batman (laughs) i mean you could not go anywhere without finding that logo i mean for god's sake kids were shaving that into their heads you remember like yeah. it was crazy. Like I remember my mom, like, or trying to beg my mom, like, to go to Gadzooks at the mall, and I wanted a Batman shirt and never had them. They were always sold out um, until I, you know, you know, reached that crown jewel or I actually found one um, for Christmas one year. But um, yeah, America was like Batman crazy. Um, but 
this one is awesome and definitely ahead of its time. But I didn't mean to cut you off there. <laughs> yeah, so this is a direct sequel to Batman 89, um, both by Tim Burton, directed by Tim Burton. Um, Michael Keaton returns as Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Also stars Danny DeVito as the Penguin, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, and Christopher Walken as Max Shrek, those being the three main villains for this film. Um, so the basic setup for the movie, the Penguin is Oswald Cobblepot. He's Chester Cobblepot. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I think of the Goonies. Yeah. Chester Cobblepot. Uh, he's born horribly deformed. His parents abandon him. His parents played by Pee-wee Herman. Yeah, Pee-wee uh, Herman and Diane Salinger, mm-hmm. who coincidentally played, well, Paul Rubens. Uh, but Paul Rubens and Diane Salinger were in Burton's first full or uh full-length movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure um he played Pee-wee obviously and then she was Simone the waitress that he finds in the desert so yeah so that's the Penguin's parents they have a cameo I guess um they abandon Oswald Cobblepot in the sewer where he's raised by penguins for some reason (laughs) and I like that scene too and again just like them tossing him off the bridge there seems to be like a lot of Moses-esque Mm-hmm. Um, origins um, in some of these movies that we review. So this is like the third time I think that it's come up. But So decades go by and Oswald has become the Penguin, a the leader of the Red Triangle Gang. He kidnaps Max Shrek, a businessman, and blackmails him to help get Penguin into Gotham's upper crust of society. Max Shrek's secretary is Selina Kyle, she discovers that Max Shrek is corrupt. Max tries to kill her. Uh, she survives and, I guess, has some head trauma. <laughs> yeah, to and, say the uh, least. She becomes the Catwoman. And then uh, Bruce Wayne gets involved with Selina in her normal persona. But as Batman and Catwoman, they, you know, everyone's fighting against each other. So that's kind of the, I don't know, first 20 or 30 minutes or so of the movie. And uh, won't go through the whole thing, but yeah. So yeah, we got uh, Keaton returning as Bruce Wayne, Batman. Everyone else is new to this film. So Batman, nineteen eighty nine. The time it came out was the fifth highest grossing film ever. And so that you know at the time that's like okay, definitely doing a sequel. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Warner Brothers wanted to start filming immediately after this in May of 1990. They had the Gotham City sets in England under 24-hour guard. (laughs) Um, They were expecting to do two more sequels. Danny DeVito was on board almost from the beginning. They were considering bringing the Riddler in for this Mm -hmm. movie, played by Robin Williams, which would have been interesting. Yeah. Tim Burton was hesitant about doing a sequel because they were still waiting for all the box office numbers from Batman to come in. Yeah. And he is quoted as saying, sequels are only worthwhile if they give you the opportunity to do something new and interesting. If it has to go beyond that, really because you do the first for the thrill of the unknown, a sequel wipes all that out, so you must explore the next level. 
Yeah, I like that too because like I think he's also gone record as saying like to me he's like he just didn't want to make the same movie again with just like a different villain, and so he was really trying to like flesh out like what a good villain would be. And of course, when he was set up, you know, Batman '89, the Joker is like the top of the food chain as far as like Batman villains were concerned. And then he was like trying to go down from there. And then when he decided on the uh, Penguin, he was like, you know, really like that that character makes no sense. <laughs> like he's not like. It's, but I mean, I guess if you're going like off comics or like going off like '66, um, Batman, like the character makes really like doesn't make any sense at all um so like that's why he was like well like let's like i think didn't he want to do like brainiac or didn't he want to do like catwoman or something did you have that or or the riddler i know the riddler was tossed in there and two-face i think was the other one that he wanted yeah so one of the first writers they uh writer for the first batman 89 sam ham he wanted to do a movie about harvey dent becoming two-face uh warner brothers wanted to do the penguin and both Tim Burton and Sam Hamm wanted to add Catwoman. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of how they settled on the main villains. Uh, the original draft had... Uh, here's some weird stuff. The original draft had such concepts as Bruce Wayne and Vicki Vale getting engaged. Vicki Vale was Kim Basinger from 89. Completely just wrote her out. Yeah. <laughs> so that they could set up that love triangle, I guess, with... Uh... Um, another plot concept they had in the beginning was a uh, cat woman wearing bondage gear and committing multiple murders. Uh-huh. Uh, and they were also going to introduce uh, Robin in this film for the first time or first cinematically anyway. Right. Tim Burton only agreed to return to direct if he was given complete creative control since uh, Batman was the least favorite of the films he had thus far directed mm-hmm. and Warner brothers agreed and filming began in 1991 for a 92 release date. Mm-hmm. So not long after, uh, Sam Hamm was replaced by another writer, Daniel Waters, who had written the... There's some... Uh, yeah, sorry, that was some jingle bells. <laughs> <laughs> some jingle bells just went off. Um, uh, Daniel Waters wrote the 1988 movie Heathers, which is a dark uh, comedy. Yeah, it's a great movie. I haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Waters started on his draft of the film in 1990, and admittedly he had no interest in the character and didn't care about the comic book background or continuity at all. And at one point he said, quote, Tim Burton and I never had a conversation about what are the fans of the comic books going to think. We never thought about them. We were really just about the art. Yeah. Which... Uh, like nowadays would be you know crucify somebody for that but <laughs> were you a big fan of the comics at all growing up no. i wasn't either like I, you know honestly like um i grew up as a marvel kid i just thought they had like the better heroes mm-hmm. and they had the more interesting villains and stuff um but when this movie came out like i was just i don't know i i just became enthralled with batman i just thought it was the greatest thing ever um and i'm going to be 100% honest with you i'm still not like the huge like comic like dc comic guy i think the only batmans i've read were like frank miller's the dark knight and then is alan moore's the killing joke um those are the only two that i've read which if you're gonna read batman those are probably the two you need to read right <laughs> um i don't but after that don't you know send me a lot of hate mail because i i just don't know so i'm not gonna speak on anything that i don't know so 
there's other Batman stories out there I need to check out or that we need to check out, please feel free to let us know because um, I'm always interested and willing to learn. There's that one, I guess going off on a tangent, the one plot arc where they're all like Soviet. And there was the Superman one where the alternate universe where he lands in Soviet Russia. Uh-huh. I think they did like Batman one that too. That would be interesting. I'll have remember. to check that one out. That probably sounds like a crazy person to all the <laughs> Batman fans. Yeah. Anyway. The dozens and dozens yeah. of them out there. Yeah, we're not we're not comic huge comic fans or huge Batman fans. Yeah, except yeah. for the movies. Except so, for the movies. Yeah. So uh, Waters' script had Batman killing people and trashing Gotham City, uh, but Michael Keaton kind of stepped in and had some of the harsher Batman stuff removed. Penguin was written as a tragic and traumatized character, and political and social satire was added to the script at this point. Waters also toned down uh, Sam Hamm's highly sexualized Catwoman and wrote her as more feminist. And Max Schreck was original character written for the movie to replace Harvey Dent slash Two-Face. Yeah, this this movie needed 100% more Billy D. Williams. I was, I, was, I, I was telling T-Bone, you know, before we started rolling on this, you know, just watching this movie made me want to go back and watch the 89 Batman, which I ended up doing. And there's so much I had forgotten about. One, that being that Billy D. Williams was Harvey Dent in the first one. And so I thought, wow, they really kind of dropped the ball on that. But I guess like what you said, like that was supposed to be what inevitably became the Max Shrek character. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Um, Robin was also removed from the final script. And Waters also left the project before filming. And Tim Burton replaced him with Wesley Wesley Strick, Mm. who refined the whole script with minor changes and at the request of Warner Brothers expanded more upon Penguin's storyline. So they uh, brought Michael Keaton back as Bruce Wayne slash Batman for $10 million salary, Mm. which Mm. I don't know what that would be nowadays, 30 million or something. At least, yeah. 25. Tim Burton wanted Marlon Brando to play the Penguin, which I think would have been terrible. <laughs> wow. I would have been, definitely would have been interesting, though. Warner Brothers wanted Dustin Hoffman, which I can see. Yeah, I can see that. Worked. Christopher Lloyd and Robert De Niro were also briefly considered for the Penguin before Danny DeVito was asked. Mm-hmm. DeVito was initially unsure, but a close friend of his... Uh, talked him into taking the role and uh you want to guess that friend's name uh i'm gonna i I, i'm i'm out i don't know jack nicholson oh oh okay yeah okay i think i do remember hearing something about that yeah because nicholson said like you know look at me (laughs) look what i did and i forgot you know a lot of people do forget you know devito is really kind of known for his comedic roles mainly off a taxi Mm -hmm. And then um, I can't remember if Twins was before this or not. Um, Throw Mama from the Train was like another one. But he didn't start out that way. Um, I mean, if you go back and look at One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I mean, that's a strictly dramatic role. And he's freaking brilliant in that. Mm -hmm. So the dude has chops. You know, he's not hasn't always been like the lovable little, you know, squirt that he is kind of now. So Annette Bening was initially cast as Catwoman, but she got pregnant and had to drop out. Other actresses trying to get the part included Cher, 
Bridget Fonda, Jennifer Jason Lee, Madonna, Julie Newmar, Susan Sarandon, Raquel Welch, and Sean Young. Mm. Have you heard the Sean Young story? I've heard, like, okay, so the Sean Young story that I remember was she was originally cast as Vicki Vale, like an 89 Batman. Is this correct? Uh, I'm not sure about that. And then there was, like, a she was training on, um, she was getting ready to go into production, and she was, they had, like, the scene where Vicki Vale was, like, riding horses or something, and, um she fell off the horse and broke her leg and so she wasn't able to do it and that's when they brought Basinger in kind of like last minute to fill in that spot and then I guess the whole ironic part of it is like that scene that she was training for they scrapped it anyway so there was really no reason for her to even be training the horse but then I heard that like so when they went in production for or pre-production for Batman Returns she was kind of like showing up like at Burton's office and being like you owe me like you know what I mean? But like dressed as Catwoman and like stalking him or something like that. Yeah. So she made, she made a homemade Catwoman costume. <laughs> oh yeah. I bet that's awesome. She puts it on and uh, she gets into the Warner brothers studio. She tries to ambush Tim Burton at the offices. <laughs> and uh, supposedly he hid under a desk <laughs> to hide from her and uh, some other producer and Michael Keaton kind of talked her down and, Got you know, got her out of there. Yeah, because I guess she really wanted the part. I guess a phone when a phone call won't do, or yeah. maybe she maybe her phone calls weren't being answered. And yeah, so. so she didn't get the part. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was cast for a three million dollar salary. Um, I don't know what uh, Devito's salary was. I didn't seem to find that. So uh, she Michelle Pfeiffer trained for months in kickboxing and how to use a whip. And uh, yeah, she, she did. She actually did all of her own whip stunts in the movie. Ah, um, I think there's only a f- maybe a few of the fancier gymnastic stuff that she didn't do. Yeah. Um, and before Robin was removed from the script, the studio had cast Marlon Wayans, and even had uh, costumes and action figures, you know, prototyped and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And, but he, he was, you know, at the last second they wrote him out and uh, there was an interview with Marlon Wayans uh, some few years ago. He said uh, he still receives residual checks for a two-film contract that he signed. <laughs> nice. So he, it got really far with him playing Robin. Yeah. So principal photography began on September 3rd, 1991. The first Batman was filmed in the U.K., but Batman Returns was filmed in the U.S. at Warner Brothers Studios. They used uh, multiple live penguins for certain scenes, which were filmed on refrigerated sets. And real penguins were supplemented with little people in penguin suits, as well as CGI. Yes, I was going to say, like, one of the most um, fascinating aspects of this film for me is 92. I mean, you don't have until 93 when um, Jurassic Park, like, kicks the door in. This was still all pretty much practical effects. Like, mm-hmm. if you go back and look, especially, like, the the Blu-ray that I have, and I'm watching it on a 4K TV. Um, yeah, I know. I'm fancy like that. <laughs> but, I mean, the use of matte paintings in this, you, I mean, it, pretty obvious. But at that time, like, that worked, and it's one of the things that I love. You can also tell that there's a lot of miniature work in there. And I 
the the penguins are perfect. Um, I know Stan Winston did some of the penguin work, like you said, um, the little people in suits. Like nowadays, they would just like CGI the hell out of all those penguins, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean. But when you actually have those characters like interacting on set, like it brings a lot more authenticity to it to me than um, just having them act up against a green screen. Because all of that was done, like you know, it's all practical. Those sets were built, mm-hmm. and I mean, I just it's. I mean, I can go on and on and on how much I love this film, but but I didn't mean to cut you off. But go ahead. Uh, the scene where Catwoman puts a live bird in her mouth was done for real. Yeah, that's another scene. Did and, that for uh, real. Yeah, that Michelle CGI now, you know. Michelle Pfeiffer later said she probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> At one point, an organ grinder monkey, which appears in several scenes was frightened by seeing Danny DeVito in his penguin costume and it tried to attack him. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, four stuntmen were also injured during an explosion and uh, filming wrapped on February 20th, 1992. The, uh, so the final scene of Catwoman, like the very, maybe, I'm not sure if it's the last or pretty close to the last scene of Catwoman was filmed a few, just a few weeks before release with a stand-in after test audiences disliked the implication that she had been killed. Oh, yeah, because she does show up at the literally very end. Is it the very last shot? Very last shot, yeah, as the bat signal when she like kind of comes in. Like, That's right. Side, yeah, yeah. Uh, the final budget for the movie was claimed by Warner Brothers to be $55 million, but other rumors put the total anywhere between $50 million and Eighty million. Mm. That's a ninety-two dollars. That's that's a lot now. Yeah. Really, a lot back then. Uh, Danny Elfman returned to do the score for Batman Returns. Thank also God. Did the score for Batman. Yeah. Um, even though they kind of had to coax him back because he was upset by his work on Batman was supplemented in with Prince's. Yeah, songs. there's actually a story about that too. Um, again, this is crazy because we were literally just talking about this. We should have just hit record and just started because we've already talked about all of this um elfman was brought in at that time he was still a nobody like he's not who he is now this is 89 you know 92 elfman who was still probably fresh out of oingo boingo like no nobody really knew yeah he did uh beetlejuice too yeah he did beetlejuice i think he did peewee's big adventure as well yeah um so like all the elf or the burton films but other than that, like he hadn't really done a whole lot. When was a uh, Nightmare Before Christmas? That was that was right after, around here. Right? Yeah, it was 19? like after. I think it was directly after this. Um, yeah, because he did. I mean, Burton was one of the very first directors as a kid that I recognized. I mean, mm-hmm. other than like Spielberg, right. but I mean, like outside of like the big Spielberg, Lucas, all those guys, Scorsese, guys like that. Um, and I immediately picked up like on all the aesthetics of his films even going back with peewee and then you have um what do you have after that beetlejuice i think is after that um he does batman then he does oh edward scissorhands yeah. is in there then i think he does this one and then he does oh gosh i'm kind of like going out of chronological order now well i mean like ed wood i mean mars attacks i mean right up until probably Big Top Pee-wee. Big, well, did he, he do I don't that? think he did Big Top no. Pee-wee, no. Mm. But, like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm a, I am love Burton's work. And I'm, you know, I, I mean, outside of, like, the stuff he did, like, the later stuff with Disney, like, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I wasn't too happy with. I didn't even bother seeing Alice in Wonderland or Dumbo. But, like, 
Sweeney Todd is good, I think. Uh, Sleepy Hollow, you got to respect yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't see Big Eyes, and I think there's a couple of others that I've missed. But you know, um, but going back to what Elfman, you know, this score is like the quintessential Batman score. You know what I mean? And that led into um, Batman the animated series that they used all of his. You know, so when I think Batman music. Now that's like the music that I think of. I don't think of anything from like from the Nolan films or anything, right. you know, like da 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 da. You know, yeah. I mean that sweeping score that Elfman did. But um, yeah, I think didn't they want him originally like Michael Jackson coming in and doing part of the score I too? Don't know. I didn't hear that. Yeah, and like Elfman was like, <laughs> "You like no, <laughs> like it's not Batman." But I think he settled for Prince or something like that. But then when they went to do Batman Returns, I think finally he might have had a little bit of money and was like, no, like, if you want me, you want me. I'm not doing, I'm not collaborating with any kind of, like, you know, uh, pop pop artist. Yeah, I just want to do a straight score, which I'm glad they did because this score is beautiful. Yeah, so he built on many of the themes composed for the original film. Um, here's some interesting facts and figures. Uh, do you know how many bat suits they made for this movie? I don't know bat suits. I do know cat suits, <laughs> but how many bat suits did uh, they have? Forty-eight bat suits they made for this movie. Forty-eight. Yeah. Uh, and Catwoman, Catwoman suits. It was made from latex. Yes. And uh, they padded it to make Michelle Pfeiffer appear more physically endowed. I guess. Um, I didn't write this down for some reason, but I think they had already had them made for uh, Annette Bening, uh-huh. or they had the fake the, oh, you know, the, the figures old, for Annette Bening. The old Colonel Troutman trick. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and so they they didn't have time to do many new ones, so I think they had to pad them out. I think that's why they did that. I do know like they covered it with silicone, which allowed like her to like feel really constricted, and she could only wear them for like. Not even like an hour or so at a time or something like that. Yeah, so they made, uh, I have up to 70 Catwoman suits yeah. at a cost of $1,000 each. Yeah. And uh, most of the suits could only be used once because the sweat and body oils made them impossible to reuse. To reuse them, yeah. And I read this thing, it was like a little clickbait article, and it was ridiculous. It was like, they were she was vacuum sealed in their suit. And I'm like, you guys are so stupid. Like, they she was not vacuum sealed. Like, did they even have, I mean, surely they probably had that kind of technology back then. But, like, I don't think they're using it for cat suits. Like, the reason why that it was siliconed, it wasn't vacuum sealed. They sprayed silicone all over it. And when it dries, it tightened. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't know that article. I was just like, "That's the stupid." Like, of course, I was it, it. It it was clickbait, and I clicked on it, and I read it, and I was hate hate reading it the whole time. And uh, Stan Winston designed the penguins' makeup, which involved several pounds of facial prosthetics, and his whole costume and makeup took three to four and a half hours. Did you ever find out like why he like drooled black <laughs> out of his mouth? Like, what was that? Um, did I? thought i read something about that but i can't remember there's so much that is one of the most horrific looking i think i just villains read about that in the context of 
all the controversy about the movie. Oh, okay. Is it just being really gross and <laughs> violent? So gross. Where he's like eating the raw fish and like yeah. the, like drooling the black stuff and like when you were saying earlier too about like toning down like all the like really strong sexual suggestive parts of it. it this movie is really like strongly right sexually suggestive going so far as to like um the penguins trying to like sleep with Catwoman like the whole time and like the really gross scene where she's like in his room with the canary he has like sex lube like on his you know and he's like you're like drive a try a flipper like a flipper and your dipper or something like that i was just like oh my god like that's a, this is a movie for kids you know he's got like sex lube like on his nightstand yeah i guess if you watch it now it's like in the context of movies nowadays it's not that crazy but in 92 for a superhero film like the first batman was pretty dark and gritty yeah and up until then superhero stuff was all still really comic booky yeah like even the superman movies yeah i was gonna say it's all we've pretty much had they're uh i mean they're pretty dramatic like the first two anyway yeah they're pretty dramatic but they're not dark or right still kind of comic booky right and batman 89 was like the first really dark superhero media on a big on you know on the like mass media i guess oh yes freaking then, movie was everywhere and then uh 92 batman returns um kind of took it up another notch yeah and uh so i guess there was stuff later in the decade like blade and oh yeah blade know, that kind of got dark and then um maybe i was trying to think of like what else spider-man oh wait no no x-men was before that right was yeah, it x-men, X-Men? Was late 90s late yeah. 90s and that was kind of like a catalyst to the raimi spider-mans and then you're kind of off to the races after that with like so, all the marvel movies yeah so the you know the first two batmans were the first were real dark gritty serious superhero movies ever pretty much so when batman returns came out there was you know a lot of controversy about this is comic books are supposed to be for kids and superheroes <laughs> are for kids so you know it's like you know really sexual and yeah. disgusting with penguin and you know there's the whole plot line with kids getting kidnapped and killed oh and yeah stuff. yeah yeah he's so, like i'm gonna kidnap and kill your firstborn right so it's a really weird dark disgusting you know sexual movie right which was kind of unprecedented for superhero movies at the time so yeah, it's not yeah. you. Not you're not just '66 Batman. That's right. for sure. So that's kind of I guess I think why a lot of people didn't like it for years is because it kind of wasn't. It was just a weird superhero movie. Yeah. But you know, if you go back and watch it nowadays, it's kind of ahead of its time, and it's if like if you saw it as a kid back then or something, and you know, watch it as an adult now, it's. I think it definitely holds up, and it's probably better now yeah. than it would have been back then. Yeah, yeah. It is great. Uh, so in 1992, when this was released, um, ticket sales were the lowest in 15 years across the industry, and some film studios were struggling financially. Uh, studios were trying to avoid competition from anticipated blockbusters, such as Batman Returns and Lethal Weapon 3 also came out this year. Uh, the Summer Olympics were also going on at this time. Um, everyone 
just assume Batman Returns was going to be another huge hit, so studios were trying to avoid competing with it. The first Batman movie in 89 earned $500 million in merchandising sales, so Warner Brothers leaned heavily into franchising. $100 million was spent on marketing by Warner Brothers and other merchandising partners such as McDonald's, Kmart, Sears, and there was countless others. It premiered on June 16, 1992, and had a wide release on June 19th on 3,000 screens in 2,644 theaters. It earned $45.7 million its opening weekend and broke the record for the highest grossing opening weekend of all time, which was previously held by... I'm going to say Batman. Yes. <laughs> It was also the second fastest second fastest film to reach a hundred million dollars after Batman. Yes. <laughs> it was in the theater for eighteen weeks and grossed hundred and sixty two point eight million dollars. That's an incredible runtime. Eighteen weeks. Yeah. That's like what, four month two four months? Uh well maybe not quite four. Well four yeah, four months would be sixteen, sixteen weeks. We have four college, and a half. We have months. college degrees. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Four and a half months. Yeah. That was in a theater. That's crazy. It was the third, third highest grossing film of 1992. Do you want to guess what the two highest grossing were? 92. 92. Oh gosh, um, I'm out. I have no idea. Uh, one was Aladdin. Ah, there you go. The other one was Home Alone 2. Ah, oh, wow. Also another kind of weirdly dark sequel. <laughs> yeah, that might be worth it visiting, you know, uh, on another Christmas episode. You know, if we're still around in a year. <laughs> um, outside of the U.S. and Canada, Batman Returns uh, earned $104 million. It was the first film ever to gross more than a million pounds in one day in the U.K. Jeez. Worldwide, it grossed $266.8 million. And these are this is a ninety-two dollars. Ninety-two dollars. Uh, it was the sixth highest-grossing film worldwide of nineteen ninety-two, so third highest in the U.S. and sixth highest in the world that year. So, despite that, all that success and money, Warner Brothers wanted to continue the franchise without Tim Burton, and they replaced him with Joel Schumacher. Yeah, that's when you get the nipples on the bat suit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was released on VHS and Laserdisc on October 21st in 1992. There were approximately 120, 120 products tied in with Batman Returns, including action figures, clothes, towels, coffee mugs, weightlifting gloves. Oh, we got to find a pair <laughs> of those. Housewares, food items, and dozens of others. Batman the Animated Series also premiered in 92 to capitalize on the success of the franchise. When did, when did that premiere? 92. So the I, same year? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Which uh, is, the to me, like that, this one, and then like that is like, to me, Batman. Yeah. You know, other than like, if you want to go back just for nostalgia's sake and say 66 Batman, just because of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the novelization was published in July of 92, and Six Flags built a Batman roller coaster and stunt show. I do remember that. There were multiple video game adaptions of the movie as well. A comic book, uh, there was a comic book released uh, this year in 2022 
ignores all the other films and picks up as a sequel to Batman Returns. Oh, wow. Have I bet that, that would be, huh? It's called, uh, I think it's just called Batman 89. Oh, that's cool. There's also a, uh, a Superman run they did this year called superman 77 maybe uh-huh. and it picks i think it picks up after the second superman movie okay anyway yeah that's that's uh so yeah um some controversial reviews back in 92 yeah but over the years over the decades it's uh become way more appreciated as a uh, superhero movie yeah and definitely holds up. I think, you know, like I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it's probably one of the, one of the best Batman movies. I think. Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna ask then. What's what's the what is your <laughs> my favorite? Eighty nine. Eighty. Wow. See, again, like I'm telling you, like, but not the Nolan ones, right? That's what we're saying. We are agreeing that I mean, these I, are better than the Nolan I, films. I think so. I think they're great too. Yeah. yeah. I, I, of course, I don't really have much interest in seeing anything after because I know that Batman Forever is a pile of turds, and I know that Batman and Robin is also a, a pile of turds. But these first two are freaking awesome, and they do hold up surprisingly well, despite '89 Batman um, that print soundtrack other than that it is a great movie and again like i was writing notes for this episode about halfway through the movie i just stopped because i was so engrossed in this film um just watching it and just getting caught up with the characters to me like this is a a totally character driven story the penguin you just can't take your eyes off him and even like i'm i guess i want to talk about um the max shrek character that they created like christopher walken you know um first of all um anybody that knows anything about tim burton knows like he idolized vincent price and so he kind of took that look of like later vincent price that look that he had you know i guess 70s um 80s vincent price Mm -hmm. and that's what he styled that look after and then not even to mention you know his fascination with like German, like early silent German expressionism films, um, silent films, particularly like London After Midnight um, with the Joker, or not the Joker, but the Penguin, modeled him after kind of like that Lon Chaney um, character in that movie um, with the top hat and like the sharp teeth and the pointy nose and like the fur collar and all that stuff. And so you really kind of see those influences in there as well. Um, like I said, I've already talked about the matte paintings. I love that. The look of Gotham, even having it set um, at the backdrop of Christmas, which Burton has said. Yeah, you know, we need to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why we picked this movie is like <laughs> it takes place during Christmas time. Do you yeah. have any notes on that? Because I, I have one little thing I was going to say about it if you don't have anything. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, Burton said that the reason why he wanted to do this um, during Christmas time was because what um, – T-Bone had said about them originally wanted to shoot the film in England because the first one was shot in England and when he realized that they weren't going to be able to do that he kind of missed the gloominess of England and he's like here we are in Burbank California he's like I just wanted to recreate that and he's like we might as well just go all out and just he's like create snow Mm -hmm. and so that's why he kind of said it at Christmas time because he missed that gloominess of shooting over in England because this was like shot like what 
I don't know, but on the sound set or on the sound stage, yeah, Universal Studios, um, yeah, or the Warner Brothers. I guess it was Warner Brothers. What I said, Universal Warner Brothers lot. Um, I, most of it is shot, like I said, like on the on the lot there, and so he thought it was kind of a juxtaposition of creating a snowy environment when outside it's like beautiful sunny 80 degree weather <laughs> and inside it's like this cold you know christmasy feel yeah. so yeah that so christmas wise if you want a christmas movie um there's like you know a little subplot where there's like a little christmas parade and a christmas pageant yes and uh, uh batman is kind of framed for the murder of a uh pageant queen yeah the christmas the ice queen i think is yeah what, she's what lighting is. the gotham tree right so that's kind of the little uh, plot point that gets people turned against Batman in this movie. So, yeah, there's there's some if you're a uh, all dieharded out, which is <laughs> impossible. But it's possible. I mean, if, <laughs> if if you're a real American, you'll never be diehearted out. But I know yeah. some of you Nancy boys. No, I'm just kidding. If you need another Christmas action movie, <laughs> yeah. this this one's not bad. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> This is a great one, but there's also that iconic line where, um, like, of course, like, Catwoman's straddling Batman, and he, like, looks up, and he sees the mistletoe, and then, like, she looks up and sees the mistletoe, too, and she's like, um, ah, kiss under the mistletoe, or something like that, and then, Bat- and then she, like, licks him, and then he says, you know, mistletoe, mistletoe can kill you if you eat it, Yeah. and then, like, she repeats that line to him when they're at that dance, when they realize that, you know, like, oh my god, you're Selena Kyle, oh my god, you're Batman, you know? That moment at the dance um, where there's like another really suggestive line there too. I don't mean to get hung up on it because like I said, it was just like crazy that how sexual this movie is when she's like, you know, like you've been working. He's like pretty hard. She's like, I'd say semi. And I'm like, Oh, like seriously. And he's like, you know, like, (laughs) 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 yeah. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of weird sex jokes. Yeah. And kind of uncomfortable, kind of cringy, especially like in this day and age, because you yeah. just they kind of come out of nowhere. Right. But um, the dark circus, I thought was pre- or the dark uh, red triangle was a red triangle. Red the triangle, dark, dark circus, yeah, red triangle gang. Um, did you notice one of the uh, the strongman who the strongman was in that scene? I think I know this, but I forgot. Ah, uh, it's Bull Hurley from Over the Top. Hi. So yeah, he the strongman went over the top with Stallone. Um, you know got to drop a Stallone reference in all of these movies <laughs> that we do because it wouldn't be an 80s action movie without a Stallone reference uh, are you ready for some top 10 lists oh yes <laughs> yes you have you have a top 10 list I have two of them oh excellent since we're doing our holiday special oh yeah yeah double yeah. the yeah double the presents so this uh, well do, do you have any more uh, notes you want uh, to I'm just kind of looking through I think we've actually already talked about it you know like Selena Kyle you know she kind of makes that transformation um, oh some of the other innuendos that I just noted I don't know why stop somebody somebody stop me <laughs> um, she says like I'm a professional she tells Batman that she's a professional working girl um, her cat comes in from the night when she's still Selena Kyle and she's like asks her cat about like all her the sexual escapades that it's been on um, and then Shrek catches her in the office like when he, when she finds the files about him like um, stealing um, 
power from the from the power plant and right. she's he's like what are you doing here and she's like i'm just boning up for you so like little like <laughs> things like that like i wrote down i don't know why um yeah she talks about sucking power like I, it's like little like maybe it's just my mind but like it's set up that way and once you hear those things like right you become more aware of them like i don't really know um yeah, i guess that's pretty much all of the notes we've pretty much already talked we talked about the silicone suits um oswald copperpot i was like chester copperpot like every time he says i'm not the penguin i've got a name my name is oswald copperpot and i was like chester copperpot um penguin was the uh, oh mon- yeah so we talked about um, i i talked about um the penguin at the cemetery with the top hat the monocle and all that stuff was like from um, london after midnight um oh batman the bat cave um where he's like looking up you know um, information about the penguin and he tells Alfred that he has this, or I guess they're kind of explaining. He's not telling Alfred he has it, but there's like a little bit of um, uh, exposition in there where he's talking about having access to all the microfiche in the entire world. <laughs> yeah. And then I just realized it's like he had the internet before the internet was a thing. <laughs> like that's right. Like he's because he has like he can just like say it, and then it like immediately goes to like yeah. like for any of those anybody out there that's over 40 and remembers microfiche yeah. before you had to the internet but that was like an internet pre-internet where he but it was microfiche which i thought was kind of funny and that's kind of where my notes stopped because like i said i stopped taking them and just started watching the movie after that so our first top 10 list yes this comes from uh, avclub.com and this is the uh top 10 villains from theatrically released Batman films. Oh, okay. So this is just movies. Does this, does this include the Nolan films? Yep. Okay. So, uh, number 10, and we're already off to a bad start. Lex Luthor from Batman versus Superman. Jesse Eisenberg. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 I got to be honest with you, never seen it. I have no desire to see it. I saw it and it was, I thought it was kind of forgettable. Forgot it. Yeah, I forgot it even existed until you said that. But uh, if you're going to go with Alex Luthor, why why not the Gene Hackman? That's the, yeah, that's the. Anyway, so that was their number 10. Number nine, The Phantasm from Batman Mask of the Phantasm animated Uh, film. That's kind of unfair. That's still a pretty solid flick. I actually never saw that one. That's all in the theater. Uh, Number eight. Catwoman from The Dark Knight Rises, Anne Hathaway. I would say that it was kind of a throwaway character. Yeah, number seven, The Penguin, Batman Returns. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number six, Harley Quinn, Suicide Squad, Margot Robbie. Mm. Uh, I think she's doing okay with that character. Yeah, I, yeah. I that's it's just it's overdone now. Like you yeah. see it everywhere, and like now that's like the go-to Batman villain. Number five, Bane, Dark Knight Rises, Tom Hardy. No. <laughs> I like it. I you like liked it? it? Yeah. Uh, number four, The Joker, Jack Nicholson. <sighs> Still should have been number one. I know, I know <laughs> who's going to be number one. Uh, number three, Joker, Mark Hamill. Uh, oh, from yeah, 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 Mask yeah, yeah. of the Phantasm. Yeah. Uh, number two, so do you want to guess what number two is? Um... I mean, I'm, I'm going to say what number one is, but number two, it better be Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze. 
Uh, it's actually uh, Catwoman, Batman Returns. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And number one, of course. Is Heath Ledger's yeah. Joker. Yep. Yeah. Nicholson's Joker is, to me, like more spot on than Ledger's. Not to take anything away from Ledger. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually surprised that Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is not on that list, unless that had come out after this list. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know when this. So... That was just within the last two years or so, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 about the last two years. Yeah, so this list. <clears throat> oh. <coughs> Cut that out. Hairball. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right. I remember reading uh, they had some stipulations for these. Oh, okay. And it had to be in a movie where Batman there appears. was some kind of interaction with oh, Batman. Oh, okay, gotcha, so gotcha, gotcha. I guess it wasn't standalone character. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So that was top, yeah, kind of a, I guess a, weird top 10 Batman villains from a movie that interacted with Batman. Right, right. But anyway. Uh, this is actually a top 11 for some reason, this next list. Okay. And this is top 11 actors playing Batman. Okay. All time. Movies, TV, anime, Anything. Okay. everything. Number 11, George Clooney. Batman and Robin. Yeah, I think probably the worst Batman. Yeah, I agree. And I had really high hopes for that, too. It's let down. Just like my original date in 92 when I saw uh, Batman. <laughs> Batman Returns. Right. Number 10, Robert Lowry, who played Batman in The New Adventures of Batman and Robin, which was, I didn't write down the date, but I think it was the 40s or 50s, maybe. Oh, okay. Was that the serial? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. You know, I've, I've always seen those, and I remember like when Batman '89 came out. Like, I mean, any kind of cash grab they could get with right. Batman. And I remember yeah. them releasing those like on VHS and like a set. It was like, you know, like, you've seen '89 Batman, now see the original. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And I've always wanted to like check those out, but I just is that the one where they just take had. a taxi everywhere? I, I think so. There's no Batmobile. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Something weird like that. Yeah. Uh, number Ooh. nine, Val Kilmer. Batman yeah. Forever. I thought he did okay. Yeah. Uh, number eight, uh, Diedrich Bader was the voice of Batman in Batman the Brave and the Bold animated series. Never saw it. No yeah. idea what that is. Uh, number seven, uh, o- Olan Sol. Sule? I don't know. He was the voice of Batman in Super Friends. Oh, so he was the voice of Batman from like the late '60s through the '80s. Man, that that's that is a part of the childhood there. Yeah, so he did. He was the voice of Batman in Super Friends and all the spinoffs for yeah. like 20 years or so. Uh, number six, Ben Affleck, Batman. <laughs> number six, Superman, really? Superman. He's that high up in the list? <laughs> huh. uh, number. Yeah, here's where I kind of think it starts to get more controversial. Number five, Robert Pattinson. See, I never saw the the, the new one. Have you seen it? I saw it. Uh, it was okay. It was okay. Yeah, I heard great things about it. Yeah. Uh, here's where I strongly start to disagree <laughs> with this list. And number four, Michael Keaton. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, Who uh, could possibly, other than maybe Kevin Connolly? Number three, Christian Bale, Christopher Nolan trilogy. See, I didn't like him as Batman. Yeah, I thought the Bruce Wayne was okay. Yeah, Batman was ridiculous. Over the top. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Um, number two, Adam West. 
from the 60s TV series. Okay, okay. And number one, Kevin Conroy. Or Conroy. What did I say Conway? Conroy? Conroy. Uh, it was the voice of the animated Batman for 25 years up yeah. until he actually died. Yeah. Uh, within the last week that we were recording this. Right, yeah. I'm going to pour out some protein <laughs> shake for, for the memory of but, Kevin uh, Conroy. Yeah, um, I... Full disclosure, I never got into any of the animated Batman stuff. I did. Um, of course, like I said, this is just, you know, writing the coattails of Batman Returns. I can't say I was like an avid fan about it, but if it was on, I watched it. I know that that was the first appearance of Harley Quinn, right? Like, didn't that give us the Harley Quinn character? Yeah. Yeah, because that was never yeah. a thing in the yeah. comics until it showed up, until she shows up in Batman um, the Animated Series. Right. And I think they are available right now for streaming somewhere. Um, may. I don't know. This has definitely piqued my interest, you know, rekindled my in, my interest in Batman, and definitely kind of want to go back and um, check some more things out around that time that doesn't have to do with Schumacher. So, Michael Gaten is my number one. Oh, 100 percent, yeah. <laughs> Which is a crazy too, because I remember like '89 Batman. They were talking like that was very controversial. Yeah, they're like, "What are you talking about? Mr. Mom's gonna be, uh, right. you know?" Because he was like mainly known as a comedic actor. And um, Beetlejuice came out in '88. Oh yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which was a huge hit. Yeah, and he's just over the top ridiculous in that movie. Yeah, I remember Burton saying like, you know, the reason why he picked him is because like. You know, when you think of Batman, like you have to play that character with your eyes, and like Keaton has like those crazy eyes. Mm-hmm. And so, ever since like I read that article, and you go back and look at like, man, he does like he has some like intense facial expressions through a mask. And I, that's, I mean, he does a lot of acting just with his eyes. And right. I thought that was a really cool aspect of that character. That's I don't think anybody has ever even thought about that, you know? Yeah. So, but I thought Keaton was perfect um right. all the way around who, who would your number two be would you go with uh kevin conroy oh yeah for sure and again I, that's me just kind of as a casual fan of the batman animated right. series I, i'm not a hardcore fan yeah but of course adam west you got to throw him <laughs> in as well um i don't know that's just as a kid like that was a part of things that we watched on tv because of nickelodeon they yeah. were showing that you know right that's just what we grew up watching. And that's basically all we had because I think I was saying, you know, prior to like Superman, I can't think of another superhero movie. Um, can you? Like between even between Superman and Batman? Um, I I think in the only kind of quote unquote big thing was maybe the Incredible Hulk. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the TV, TV show. TV series and yeah. then there were a few TV movies. Yeah. But yeah, between Superman and Batman, that's pretty much all there was. I know they At least did. mainstream. Well, I, I, I the Punisher. Dolph Lundgren's The Punisher. I don't know when that came out. Oh, that's right. I don't know if that was in between, like, what, 80s. And then there was, like, a really weirdo, like, Captain America. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I remember about that is There were some had, like, Spider-Man movies on TV, I think, too. Okay. Oh, I The think. Electric Company had Spider-Man. I remember that being, like, a big thing on, like, The Electric Company. But I can't think of any other, like, superhero movies until, like, I think that was why this was such a huge thing. Like, I don't know. I just lived and breathed Batman for probably, like, four years of my life. <laughs> I was, like, the biggest Batman fan. Yeah. And then, like I said, I'd probably Jurassic Park hit because I'm such a mark for Spielberg. Right. Like, I follow anything that guy does. Like, he could direct the phone book and I would be, like, you know, a midnight screening of that. Um. So, anyway. But, yeah, Batman, I was bonkers for Batman 
definitely has a special place in my heart. But yeah, Keaton is my number one Batman, probably Conroy, um, Adam West. And then, I mean, I don't know, after that, it just kind of, the list kind of like falls off for me. Like, I liked Christian. Like, I agree with you. I think the Bruce Wayne stuff was fine. But his Batman portrayal was like comically bad. Right. <laughs> to me, like, I can't, it just takes me right out of the movie, I tell you. Just right <laughs> out of the movie. Yeah. Well, I have a, uh, a short workout. Oh yes, definitely. If you want to hear my uh, Batman Returns? Yeah, definitely workout. want to hear the, the Batman Returns. So you're gonna need a, a weighted vest. Yes. To simulate the bat suit. Oh yeah, like a rucksack. Yeah. <laughs> or a weighted. A bat ruck pack. Yeah. What is that called? And you want to do 50 push-ups. Yes. 25 pull-ups. Yes. And 100 squats. Yes. And that's that's the Batman portion of the workout. Oh, okay. okay. So you take the weight vest off, uh-huh. and you move on to the Catwoman portion of the workout. Ooh, this is just for the ladies out there, the lady <laughs> listeners, all so two of yes. You want to do ten minutes of stretching? I guess yeah. you could suggestive do stretching, <laughs> arching of the back, like the yeah. yeah. Um, one hundred reps with a jump rope. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then some handstand practice. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the Catwoman portion of the workout. Um, and then we have the optional penguin workout. <laughs> I would love to hear if, the pe- if, Probably what I'm doing right now. <laughs> if you have a swimming pool, you want to do 10 laps in the pool because you're a penguin. Uh, that's optional, though, because pools are expensive. Yeah, they are. And nobody um, can maintain a pool in Christmas time. Uh, some more optional workouts. Uh, throwing a beauty queen off a building. Yeah. Punching a clown. <laughs> punching a clown. Yeah. And uh, the final portion of the optional workout, abducting children. <laughs> don't really do that one, though. Even yeah. optionally. <laughs> yeah, we, we, <laughs> we do not condone that part of the workout. Yeah. <laughs> so there's your, there's your Batman Returns. Pump action holiday special workout. Yeah, and from the looks of some of you guys out there, you probably hit that uh, Thanksgiving uh, uh, table a little too hard. Went too many, one, one too many rolls, one too many slices of pumpkin pie. That's called a mini bulk. Yeah, we call it around here a mini bulk. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. But yeah, I, I'm thank you for suggesting this movie because um, I don't think I would have gone back to see this. I had no desire to see it. Like I've, I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've moved on. Um, but wow, this was a great movie and I forgot how awesome it is. And, um, when you, I, I would actually encourage you guys to watch Batman 89 first and then watch Batman returns. Cause like, again, after watching this hands down, this is probably my, my, my favorite Batman. Like, and I just forgot how awesome it is. It's fucking weird, but I love it. Like, all of the little nuanced things about it. Um, it's great. It's really dark. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's spooky. Like, just even the fact that, you know, I was texting T-Bone during it. I'm like, I can't believe they made this for kids. Like, I can't believe they... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just... It's it's not probably what you remember. Um, and so I would encourage everybody to, to go it's out there. Um, I have the, it's PG 13 in it. Yeah. I have the Blu-ray. Is it streaming anywhere? Do you know? Uh, I don't, it's gotta be. Yeah. I don't know offhand. If not, it's worth a rental on Amazon. Um, you know, we, we might have to provide a link so that we get paid too. We don't want <laughs> Bezos to, yeah. uh, 
pocket all of that, but uh, it's definitely worth a stream uh, or a rental for three ninety nine. I think you can rent most movies off of Amazon. You can, like you can find it at anywhere. You could probably find a box set for like five dollars. If I yeah, think I, I bought the the four pack. That's what I have for like on DVD for like five bucks. Or yeah, something. I think that's. So I think I got it at Walmart one year. It's not hard to find. Yeah. 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 So, well, awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for like I said suggesting that. Um, loved it. Go check it out. Um, you can find us over on our Instagram page if you um, have seen this movie and you want to comment on it at pumpaction underscore podcast over on Instagram. Don't have a Facebook page. Um, I know T-Bone is, once again, he, I've not yet coaxed him out of his um, social media hibernation. It sounds like all the social media is collapsing anyway. So <laughs> that is true. I'm not going to start now. Yeah, that is true. And if you guys have any other suggestions for um, Christmas action movies, the ones that we haven't named, we'd love to hear them. We might have one more for you. Um, we're just kind of in the works right now. Things are pretty hectic around my house. I'm sure they're hectic for you as well. But, um, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed this. Uh, so, yeah, check us out on our social media page, uh, Pump Action Podcast. My name is Ty Fighter. And this is T-Bone. And we want to wish you a Merry Christmas.